I want you to imagine this morning that you are sitting in the time period a hundred years after the Abraham Lincoln put into practice the Emancipation Proclamation. Standing maybe in the courtyard or on the stairs of the Lincoln Memorial as the leader of the Civil Rights Movement at the time, Martin Luther King Jr., is giving his I Have a Dream speech. He's sharing about how even after a hundred years of the Emancipation Proclamation, African Americans are still not free. They're still enslaved. They feel they're still enslaved. They're dealing with this in their hearts and their lives. And as the speech comes to a close, he says those famous words that come from the old Negro spiritual song. He says, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. It's a pinnacle moment in our country's history and a good reminder to us about what we've been through as a country. And it's the, good, it's the idea of, of freedom. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. That was his dream, and that's a dream that we've seen in some ways come about. And we see in today's narrative from the Gospel of Matthew, the idea that Jesus is before Pilate. He goes in a trial before Pilate. There are many people there, and the chance for freedom is presented to, for Jesus, for Barabbas. And so what we're going to see this morning is the path for Jesus' freedom and the path for our freedom and how those worlds collide in this story. So if I had to have you open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 27 this morning. Uh, just a little bit looking back on where we've been. So we've been doing this Passion of Jesus series uh, over the last couple months, um, and we're coming to a close as we come up to the Easter season. And so uh, last week, Pastor Aaron was talking about the idea of how Jesus desires to restore us, reconcile us in a relationship with him. And I, I was just struck last week as Pastor Aaron was speaking, how he discussed the idea of, of Peter and how Peter denied Jesus, even though he claimed to be a follower and said he would never do so. Jesus had predicted that, that Peter would do this. What was humbling to me, even as a pastor, but even as just a follower of Christ, is that we all need to be humbled and we all need that restoring. Every single one of us needs that restoring. That we often think very highly, too highly, of our own spiritual walk, of where we are with our walk with the Lord, and we don't see some of the struggles and the sins and the blind spots that we have. And so last week we talked about the idea of restoration, how Jesus desires to restore us, and we saw that in action in the life of Peter, how Jesus restored Peter despite his denials. So the passage before us today, we see in chapter 27 at the beginning, we see that Jesus is delivered to Pilate. And then we would move down after the, the story of Judas hanging himself in verse 11, it talks about how Jesus was taken now before Pilate and the court case has begun um, for what is going to happen for Jesus as he's been arrested and has been taken before Pilate. So that's where we are this morning. Now, I know some of you, you know, we just sang some songs about Hosanna, and we talked about those things this morning. So some of you may have come here on, on this Palm Sunday thinking we're going we're gonna to talk about the story of Palm Sunday. But if you remember back, 
when we started the series a couple months ago, Pastor Aaron actually did that passage at the very beginning of the series because we have been talking through the Passion Week of Jesus. And so I promise you the Passion story, the, the, the Palm Sunday story will make a cameo this morning, but it's not going to be the main text. So if that, I'm sorry to disappoint you if that's what you were coming to hear this morning, but we're going to be in a different passage as we go. So if you would follow along with me, uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 15. The word of God reads, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to him, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was only out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor said, again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So what I want us to see this morning is three different encounters that we come across in this seeking for freedom. Because I think if all of us were honest with each other, we all want that type of freedom, right? We, we're Americans. We tend to really like that idea. It's kind of ingrained in us from our history that we love freedom, the idea of having it. But often we seek for that freedom in sinful ways or ways that aren't helpful or at least that don't lead to bring glory to God. And so today let's look at a couple of encounters of people seeking freedom and where that leads them. So let's start uh, looking at the freedom seeking with fear that leads to destruction when we look at the idea of what we're seeing with Pilate as he interacts in this story. So you see there at the beginning in verse 15, uh, the scholars would say that there was, and the historians would say that there was a, um, a special thing that Pilate had put into place to where when the feast came around, this, this season of feast, when this is the time period that we're at here, the feast, the Israelites are coming together to celebrate. They're all together in Jerusalem. They're having this. And so when they do that, Pilate has set up this thing to where a, they, he just wants to give them an opportunity to allow a, a prisoner to go free, to set them free. It's, it's kind of a way of appeasing the crowds. It's kind of a way of getting in, in, in good graces with the Israelites, as they, the Jewish people, as they come. And so he instituted this annual custom during the feast to release a prisoner of their choice. So that's where we are here. You see that's happening. It says at the verse 15 that the feast of the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. But then enters... Barabbas. So verse 16, and they said, and then they had this notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now, one of the things you're going to see this a couple times this morning, that there's irony in this passage. And this is one of the most ironic passages in all of scripture, because do you know what Barabbas' name means? Barabbas' name means son of the father. Now, isn't that ironic? Here we are with the choice of freedom and Barabbas' name is the son of the father. He is a notorious thief, insurrectionist, and murderer. But his name means son of the father. And it's interesting to hear to, 
that these masses, as you read this passage, these masses, these, this group of people that are in the courtyard are saying, we would rather choose the one with the name Son of the Father as opposed to choosing the one who is the real eternal Son of the Father. How ironic is that, that, that Barabbas means that, and that's what's happening here in this story. And so what, is, what happens here? It says, and then the story's prisoner is brought forward, Barabbas, and so they, as they're gathered, Pilate says to them, who do you want me to release? Do you want me to relieve Barabbas, or do you want me to relieve, release the one who is called Christ, Jesus, the one who is called Christ? And one of the things that is interesting is we get into the head of Pilate in this story. What do you see there? What does it say? It says, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Even the one that has the power to do whatever he wants in this, in this story, Pilate, he understands what's going on here. He knows that the Jewish people have brought Jesus before them because they are envious, because they feel threatened, their authority is being taken away because Jesus has come with authority as the son of the father. So he has come and so they are envious and he knows that. He knows what they're doing here. And that's, we're getting into his head and understanding what he's thinking. It's his, his own commentary. Now, I told you again, here's the cameo for the idea of the Palm Sunday that we're celebrating today here. What were the people saying about Jesus just a few days before this as he came riding in on a donkey? Hosanna. They were celebrating. They were worshiping him, right? But now things have changed. Things are different. And before we jump down the throats and get angry at these people, as they're, these masses, as they're making this decision, let's remind ourselves that we are just as fickle. We're often just as unfaithful in our walk with the Lord. Just the same way. So we see here that Pilate is given the opportunity to make a decision for himself, right? We see the commentary. Pilate could just do what he wanted, right? He's the leader. He can make the decision. But the problem is, is that often Pilate was looking for freedom in the wrong ways. He wants to appease the crowds. He wants peace. He wants to do what's best for him. He's not seeking freedom in, in a just way, in the right way, the way that's going to bring him peace that is lasting. He's just looking to try to get this done with and get peace and be, done, be finished with it right now. But there's another, there's another issue here, right? Look at verse 19. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So again, it's obvious what should happen here. Pilate knows by the commentary that he is, this is out of envy, out of being threatened, that Jesus has done nothing wrong. He has no crime he has committed. He also knows that his wife has come with this dream. And I think this is another good reminder to us husbands, right? Listen to your wives when they tell you something, when they're speaking something to you, because often they have great wisdom and grace that they can share with us. But we see here that she is given a dream. We don't know what that dream is. There's a lot of conjecture on what maybe the dream was about. But obviously, this dream is about something to do with that he, that what Jesus is innocent and you better stay away from him. There's going to be judgment for you for, for going and, and dealing with this case. There was something that really struck with the wife that, that we must not go forward with this. 
So despite all of those things, so all of those options, like with what his wife says with the dream, what we see here with, with the idea of the, that he knows that it's just out of envy, that he's done nothing wrong. It's, it's just, it's, it's right in front of you, right? It's his eyes, his ears, he's, everything in his heart, he knows that Jesus is innocent and what the right, just thing to do is here. But again, he's seeking freedom in the moment for right now. He wants peace. He wants this to be over. And then in verse 20, we also see the chief priests and them as well. We see that the chief priests and elders persuade the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So you see all of these things are all working together in this case. And one of the things that um, I was discussing with Eric Johnson, the pastor at Redeemer Church in Monunk, when we were talking about this passage, one of the things he reminds me about in this passage is, is that the Holy Spirit is working through these things. And we think that common sense can lead people to the truth all the time. That common sense, if you just give them right, the right reason, the right things to say, you know, you're really just going to bring that person. They're just going to believe it. They have to because I reason with them, I give them all the right things from the Bible, I tell them. But the truth is, is we can't common sense people to the gospel. There's no way for us to do that. We can't common sense people to the gospel. The Holy Spirit has to work in people's hearts for them to have their eyes open so they can see the truth. And so, even though Pilate sees all of this truth, even though the people that are around here know that Jesus is innocent, know he hasn't done anything wrong, it's still happening. It's still going forward. The chief priests are stirring the crowd. I, could you just imagine them kind of like mingling around in the crowd and kind of saying, hey, you know, Jesus, we, we, need to, we, need to, we need to choose Barabbas. They need to release him. Jesus is guilty. He's the one. So you can see that kind of happening there. And then in verse 21, it says, the governor asked and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release of you? And again, they said, they, and then they say Barabbas because they've been persuaded. They've been They've, they're, they're fickle and unfaithful to God and to Jesus here, and so they say Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? And I want you to see something there. That's the second time that Pilate has mentioned the idea that Jesus who is called Christ. And that is an understanding that, that Pilate has unbelief. He doesn't believe who Jesus is. He doesn't trust or think that way because what is he saying? He's, saying, he's not saying Jesus is Christ. He's saying Jesus who is the so-called, you know, kind of the so-called Christ, right? He calls himself the Messiah. He calls himself the Christ, but he's just the so-called Christ. And so what do they say to him? Well, he says, what should we do with him? They, sh they shout out, let him be crucified. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. And that, that's, that's what we're seeing here. Despite all the evidence, besides all the things that are true about this case, that Jesus is innocent, Barabbas should be the one that is thrown back in jail. We see here that God is working in this situation. Because despite all of the truth that's there, all of the justice that should happen, we know that freedom in, in, in a relationship with Christ comes through what he has chosen to do for us. The freedom encounter that we saw with Pilate, with his wife, with Barabbas, it's all about themselves and now and not eternal thinking. Because all of that type of false seeking, whether it's with the religious leaders, whether it's with them, all of them, it's false seeking of freedom. 
And honestly, all that type of freedom, what does it lead to? It actually leads to enslavement. I mean, just think about in our own lives. I mean, maybe there's some serious sins that you can think of and you can grasp that idea of enslavement, like, you know, drug use, alcohol use, sexual sins, those type of things that, ins- that can be really enslaving and, and drive you to do very horrible, heinous things and sinful things. But we can also be enslaved by things that people wouldn't necessarily say are those big things, those big things that enslave us. So maybe we can be enslaved by our anger. Maybe, maybe you struggle in your life with, with the idea of anger, that you get angry at your spouse or your kids or your coworkers, and it leads you down a, a path of, of maybe a bad choices and sinful choices because of your anger. Maybe, maybe some of you are enslaved with the American dream of the desire to have more things, more money, to where you work so hard that you don't even spend time with your family and you get angry at them and you just aren't able to have the life that God has called you to do and you can't worship him because you're having to work so much and do those type of things. So there's lots of things that you could think of. I don't know what you're struggling with in your life right now, what, is, what could be in, enslaving you. But what we are called to and reminded in this passage this morning is that it's easy to be enslaved. It's easy to have our eyes blinded to the truth, even though it might be right there in front of us. We know we should stop doing this. We know we should live like this. And there might be some of you this morning that have never been taken out of slavery and brought to a relationship with the Lord. There may be some, somebody in this room this morning, more people in this room this morning, that have never started that relationship with Jesus. And let me promise you something. It is freeing to start that relationship with Jesus. It's also freeing if you have a relationship with Jesus and you choose to move away from something or some things that are enslaving you. The only true eternal freedom we can find in Je- is, is through Jesus. But these people chose freedom in the wrong way. They chose freedom that was enslaving. They chose freedom that was damaging to their lives, that led to destruction in their lives. They have the Son of the Father. They have the Messiah Christ right in front of them. And they choose the notorious insurrectionist murderer, stealer. They chose him instead of Jesus, even though the Messiah, Jesus, is right in front of them. So this morning, let me put Jesus right in front of you. He is there. He is here, right in our midst. Jesus is here. He wants to offer you freedom this morning. Freedom by starting a relationship with him. Freedom from whatever may be enslaving you. So if you're struggling with something sinful this morning, Run to Jesus, because he is the one that offers you that. Let me look, let's look at these verses at the end so it can help us understand how Jesus has done this for us. So looking at verse 24 through 26. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather than a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So again, Pilate 
takes the easy route. He takes the right now finding peace and making appeasement idea and decision. He judges Jesus and sends him to the abuse and the suffering and the cross. But what does he try to do? He tries to wash his hands of it. The truth of the matter is, he cannot wash his hands of it. And what do the people say? They answered, his blood be on us and on our children. And guess what it is? Because they are the ones ascending to the cross. So the question is often asked, who's at fault for why Jesus ended up having to go to the cross? Was it Pilate? Was it the people that were there? Was it the religious leaders? Who was it to, to blame for Jesus? You know what the answer to that is? Yes. And it includes us. Every single person that's walked this earth is the reason why Jesus went to the cross. But you know what is so important about that that we need to make sure and say? Is Jesus did it willingly for us. He died on the cross for our sins, for us. It could have easily, Jesus could have just said, I'm done with this, I'm not, I'm not dealing with these people, but he didn't do that, right? He willingly went to the cross. He was obedient to what the Father's will was for him and for us. So Pilate, the religious leaders, the crowd, and us, we are all the reason why Jesus went to the cross. But he did it willingly. He did it for us because he wanted to give us a way to be saved from our sins and receive eternal life. And so that is why I think it's important for us to be reminded this morning that we can read these stories about the Passion Week of Jesus and see all the different things that were happening and leading up to it, but God was in control of everything that was happening here. He had a plan, and Jesus was a part of that, and a major the major center focus of what is happening in the story. We talked about in the Revelation class today that the, the revelation of Jesus always points toward Jesus. All of scripture and all of the stories point towards him because he is the Messiah. He is the son of the father. He is the one that can bring us eternal life and save us from our sins. And we see here, the guilty is freed, right? The guilty person is freed, Barabbas is freed. Jesus, the innocent one, the one that's done nothing is the one that is judged and punished and put on the cross. One of my favorite lines from J.D. Greer is the line, Jesus in my place. Because that is what Jesus has done, right? The guilty person, you and I, have had somebody put in our place. Jesus has gone to take this punishment, this judgment that we deserve on the cross. He has done it for us. Jesus in my place. That is the message of the gospel, that Jesus has done this. The guilty has been set free by the sacrifice of the innocent. So this idea of freedom, right? We've looked at Pilate and the religious leaders and the crowd and their enslaving idea of freedom. But Jesus freely gave up his freedom so that we could have our freedom. Does that make sense to you? He, he has given up his freedom here, right? He could have done what he's, he's, he is the son of God and he could have chosen to do what he wanted with this, but he freely gives his freedom for our freedom. 
He takes that final judgment through his scourging, through his crucifixion that we couldn't do for ourselves. This was a voluntary and part of God's plan. It was obedience to God's plan. So he is freely given his freedom so that we can have freedom from our sins and be given eternal life. If you are looking for freedom this morning, we must turn to a relationship with Jesus. It starts there and it continues there in our daily walk with him. It, it, it's choosing to stay connected to our Lord through prayer, through the study of his word and regular fellowship with believers. Because the thing that makes Christianity so unique from everybody else is that we're not trying to earn God's favor. Jesus in my place, he has already done it for us. We are not trying to earn his favor. He has already given that to us. He's already given us freedom. We are called to lay ourselves down, our lives humbly before the cross and before the Lord Jesus and allow him to control and lead our lives. That is true, lasting freedom. The world is going to pull and tug and try to get you to find freedom in other ways. But all that stuff is temporary. All that stuff is not going to last, and all of it is enslaving. What we need to do is humble ourselves and put ourselves in the arms of Jesus. I think of the, the Martin Luther quote. This Martin Luther quote um, is something that, that I've read several times and it, it stuck out to me as we were thinking about this topic. So this, this quote from Martin Luther says, either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now if it is lying on your, on your back, you are lost. But if it's resting on Christ, you are free and you will be saved. Now choose what you want. It's up there on the screen, you can see that quote. Just very humbling reminder to us this morning of the freedom that we cannot get ourselves and we do not deserve, but he offers to us. Some of you may have heard the music video that was playing a little bit before the service. Um, there's a musical act that I actually found out about in just in the last few months through Andrew Peterson, the, the, the group's called the Arcadian Wild. And uh, that was the, I wish I could have shown the whole movement, but it's, they have a four-part movement uh, talking about Genesis 1 through 3. Um, it's, 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 it starts with creation and goes to the hope of the, the gospel. And so I, I showed that last part because it talks about in that song how I have been given everything that I want. I've been, I've been given a crown. I've been given eternal life, but I choose to kiss the dust. That's what the song says. Because it's that reminder to us that we often struggle to live within that freedom that Christ has given us. But that song ends with hope, hope of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so what I want us to be leaving here with this morning is that we choose to lay down our lives and lay down our wants and our desires and our interests at the feet of the cross. Because real freedom only comes through what Jesus has done for us. So let us humble ourselves this morning and receive the freedom that has been given to us. Let us not be Pilate, the crowd, the religious leaders, and even what our own hearts desire sometimes, which is to find freedom in things that are enslaving. 
Let us move away from those things that are enslaving and move towards a freedom that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. I hope this morning as we sing the two closing songs of Christ our only hope in life and death and good and gracious King that we will be able to have an opportunity to be reminded and be able to worship his name because of what he has done for us. Because I am beyond thankful this morning. I am humbled by what Jesus did for us. That despite his innocence, despite the trial that was like a kangaroo court, that where he was basically guilty before he was even given a chance to defend himself, he chose to not to defend himself because he was going to the cross for our sake. He willingly gave up his freedom so that we could receive freedom through us. Jesus desires to give you freedom this morning. Will you receive it? Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to, to worship you through the study of your word this morning. I thank you that you have taught us and reminded us this morning that, that your gospel message goes forward because your spirit moves it. And what happened in this story was the movement of your Holy Spirit through this, that you saw Jesus in his obedience, knowing where he was going. I, I just think, Lord, of, of your prayer, Lord Jesus, in John 17, that we talk of the high priestly prayer and how you were agonizing over what you were about to go through. But you went through with it anyways, be, to be obedient to the Father, and because you love us that much, you wanted to show us mercy and grace by giving us a way out of our sin into eternal life. So Lord, help us not to ever take for granted what you have done for us, that you have offered us this freedom. Help us to embrace it first in a, a relationship with you, but also in a daily walk with you, that we will choose to not follow enslaving sin and enslaving freedom things of the world, but follow the freedom that you offer us, which is a humbling trust in you. So, Lord, I, I don't know what each person in this room is going through this morning. I don't know what enslaving temptations and sins are haunting our lives. But, Lord, I pray that you will help each and every one of us to choose freedom this morning, the freedom that you offer. Lord, re restore us like we talked about last week and, and bring us to a deeper, intimate relationship with you. Help us to, to rely and live in that freedom that you've offered to us. Lord, we are so grateful for your willingness to go to that cross that we will talk about and celebrate and think about on Friday. Help us to ponder the work that you did for us. And as we come to Easter Sunday next Sunday, that we are able to celebrate the fact that you did not stay in the grave. Your death and your resurrection brings freedom more than anything else ever could. Everything pales in comparison to that relationship with you, that freedom that you give. So, Lord, help us to latch that freedom. Help us to accept it. Help us to live in it as we leave from here. And, Lord, I desire for all of us to be able to share about that freedom with others. Help people and the world around us see that freedom that we have. Lord, just thank you so much for what you've taught us this morning. Thank you for reminding us of the freedom that you offer. We pray all this in your great and gracious name. Amen.